welcome to the Elijah Streams podcast. Our mission is to encourage you in your faith through a unique blend of patriotism and prophecy. And now here's your host, Steve Schultz. Good morning from the Pacific Northwest coast of the United States of America. I'm Steve Schultz, a founder, along with my wife of the ElijahList.com right there. And Elijah Streams that you are watching. You are in year 25 of bringing you the voice of the prophets. And this year we've added the voice of the patriots. So we're going to bring Cash Patel on in just a few moments. Uh, one quick announcement, and that is Happy Veterans Day. Uh, I I love Veterans Day, and even though my family on both sides were really not a military family, my wife's brother served uh, in Vietnam. But other than that, I think he was in Germany actually. Uh, other than that, we weren't a military family, but we loved the military, and so that's why you know you've seen my brother and I produce this this program, American Warriors. And so we're going to premiere today's episode of American Warriors, uh, um, not only in honor of Veterans Day today, but in honor of veterans almost every single day we're on air. So uh, let's go ahead and let me read that to you real quick here. Um, Jim Horsley was an elite Navy Blue Angels pilot traveling the nation, performing with a team of other elite pilots. But his skills came from fighting the North Vietnamese in North Vietnam, executing harrowing missions and narrowing narrowly escaping while many of his friends did not. He remains passionate in his pursuit state. Here's a bit of his story. We could fly low level at night uh, with the radar. They rarely could see us. If they, they mostly would shoot at sound. Tell where you were, they'd just shoot straight up in the air and hope you'd fly through it. And that was before they shot off the surface air missiles. And they'd usually shoot those in pairs just to make it more interesting. We could dogfight those missiles at night because our airplane would turn better than those missiles could. Uh, so what you really needed was a lot of speed and energy on the airplane and some altitude not to hit the ground when you start maneuvering. And uh, just kind of hold your breath and when the first one gets close, take a hard break one way or the other to avoid it and let it blow up in your rearview mirrors. It's a heck of an air show, I'll tell you. It's hard to explain. Amazing. And to think he became one of the pilots of the Blue Angels, man, that's got to be... I know there's different versions of the Blue Angels and there's something nights or something, but I love those uh, demonstration jets um, at during the air shows. Uh, amazing, amazing stuff. So all of those of you who are veterans, thank you for your service. And I mean, thank you, thank you, thank you. I got up to 1974. My number was up for the draft. I was supposed to go. And that month the war ended. Nixon announced the war was over. And I didn't have to go, but my birthday, they, they had a draft where they drew your birthday number. Everyone with that birthday was going that year. So I should have a whole different story, and I'm grateful that I didn't have to serve because I don't know how good of a fighter I would have been, but I it, it leaves me all the more grateful for those who did serve in any of these wars. Um, so I hope you um, hear the love that's in my heart and our heart from the staff. So, all right, it's time to bring in Cash Patel. So here we go with an episode of Prophets and Patriots. Well, greetings, Cash Patel. Nice to see you again. I'm glad you're coming back on the show. We, we need you more often. <laughs> hey, love- thanks so much for having me back on, Steve. And, you know, you, you uh, started the program the only appropriate way to do so. Happy Veterans Day to everybody that served everybody that is serving, everybody that will serve, and most importantly, to the fallen and their families. You know, yeah, we exist today because of all of your efforts. So take time in your communities to go thank these people. It's uh, awesome. Totally good. Now, Cash, we're uh, we're a couple days past. What is this, three days past the, past the election? 
Yeah. I guess I have a general question, and then I'm going to throw it to you because I know it's fast and furious. We have about 30 minutes today uh, with uh, of your time, so we're going to use it all if we can. And and so, Cash, what I, I want to know is just kind of like, how did the election go compared to what you thought? What are, was Trump and are yourselves? You got you were very much involved. Are you disappointed? Are you excited? Are you somewhere in the middle? What, what would you say about the election so far and, and where we are, what has to be yet decided? Yeah, look, I, I, I take it back to, I'm, and I'm coming at you from my home in Nevada, Las Vegas, sort of the oh, epicenter awesome. right now. Oh, it is and the I'm epicenter, isn't it? West. And I put a lot of time in on the ground here for Adam Laxalt and Lombardo and company and next door with Kerry Lake and Blake and now Abe. And, you know, we'll get into all that in a little bit. But where we are is what I, where I always start with, that we cannot listen to the fake news mafia. They are the ones that falsely gave you the Russiagate. They are the ones that falsely gave you January 6th, impeachment one, impeachment two. They lied to you about COVID origins. They lied to you about the efficacy of the jab. So why would anyone continue to listen to these people as to the up or down, the efficacy or failure of the election that just happened? Uh, What matters is going back all the way to our forefathers. When they envisioned change, and when they set up the structure of government, the House and the Senate and elections and et cetera, they didn't envision a change that could be possible overnight to sweep through America. That would actually hurt our nation. What they envisioned was a change that grasped the movement of the people. And I think we're doing that. You know, we have a Democratic president and we just won the House of Representatives and retired Nancy Pelosi. I will argue with any human being who is a conservative or MAGA or America First Patriot to say that's not a, that they if they're telling me that's a loss. We just retired the most harmful politician to our agenda in modern history, if not ever. What planet is that not a win? And then we are on the verge, hopefully, and we'll dig into the the numbers here about taking the Senate back with Herschel's uh, race and Adam's hopeful victory here in Nevada very soon. We do that in an off-cycle year, and of course, that's a win. You want to call it a red wave or whatever, that's fine. I don't really care. But uh, these are the facts on the ground right now And what they want to do, they, the mainstream media, is use it to manufacture more disinformation and say, okay, Trump lost. And did did I want more numbers? What Republican doesn't want more? Sure, always more, right? And you go back and do the autopsy and you see how you could have done it better. But what they want is they want to use, currently they're using DeSantis as a bludgeoning tool to go after Trump, and then they'll go after DeSantis. I mean, these people aren't on anyone's side. Just yeah, they've, got, they've given you that. They're trying to give us the opinion or the, the feeling that the, the public is done with Trump, which is so not the case. And that, that um, DeSantis mm-hmm. is the new de facto head of the Republican Party. I mean, I like DeSantis. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a great governor. I was just in Florida a couple of days ago. Everyone sings his praises, but he's not ready to be president yet. We've got the man, you know. So how is, by the way, how, uh, we're going to come back to these different races, but um, you talk to Trump probably every day. What, how's his uh, courage with all this? I mean, I say for people who want to see his insight, just go to Truth Social. He has been posting nonstop since Election Day. It, there's no secrets when it comes to him. You know what he's thinking. That's good. And I think one of the strategies that he put forward, and a lot of the media and a lot of Republicans, and a lot of rhinos are disagreeing with it by calling out um, the elections uh, for what they were and calling out people who are attacking his movement, you're seeing a lot of the rhinos. I mean, of course, we knew about Liz Cheney and Paul Ryan and company, but all these people come out and say, oh, he shouldn't have done that. Now you know who's on his side. And that's something that's always been paramount in President Trump's mind. It's a, it's appropriate, especially in political landscapes, to know who is on your team and who yeah. isn't. 
Because when you're on the verge of announcing for the presidency of the United States again, which I think and I hope he's going to do, you want to know who's on your side. And what better time to figure out that landscape than in the middle of an election cycle where we still in America can't deliver election results on the day of and are waiting days, if not weeks, into um, an election, what was supposed to be election day, which is now election month, because the mainstream media and the radical left agenda in states like Arizona and Nevada specifically have changed the voting dynamic, that is the rules and regulations behind voting, to allow this. This is an easy solve. Look at Missouri, look at Iowa, look at Florida. All these states have 2X and 3X the population of Nevada and Arizona, and they can tabulate their votes properly without fraud in hours, and we have to take days and weeks. We don't have to. The people in charge, Katie Hobbs in Arizona and company, Sisolak over in Nevada and company, the Democrats, who are hopefully on the verge of being retired, change the voting block system so that this occurs. And now America must learn that the states have the power to change it. Is it it an overstatement? Or understatement one way to, to say that they they were in many states or several states still trying to steal during this. In other words, that's what's going on in Nevada. They're trying to steal the election. If they Oregon's not even done counting. This is one of the smaller states in the union. Oregon's not done counting. Okay, this is day three. No one talks about Oregon because by the they're so small, they don't contribute normally that much to the to the national election. They're still they're still claiming that They've named the people who have won supposedly with 83% count. Okay, this is three days after. I lived in California, Cash, and when Reagan was elected, California, a couple hours after the uh, polls closed, it was all paper ballots and they had the entire state, nearly 25 minutes, whatever the number is. So so what what did they put into place that allowed this cheating? You said there's an easy fix. What's the fix? Yeah, so look, what they allow is, so let's take Las Vegas or let's take Nevada that I know. They allow a system of early voting and mail-in balloting to happen weeks before and run it into election day and pass. Get this, in Nevada, your vote can be counted up until tomorrow. Up until tomorrow, Saturday? Yeah, tomorrow, Saturday, four, five days after the election. I'm not against early voting. Let me be clear. The state of Florida has a two-week window of early voting. It just ends two weeks before the election so they can tabulate all the votes. Wow. It's an easy fix. And how about this in Nevada, again, where I live, and I can speak to it better than places like Oregon and whatnot, the registrar's office in Washoe and Clark County, the two most populated counties that host 85% of the population of Nevada, actually told us on election day they were understaffed. How is that possible? You didn't know the election was coming? You couldn't find human beings, Nevadans who wanted work, who wanted to be paid, wanted to be a part of the electoral process? They chose not to. They chose instead of, can I just say this, instead of saying... Uh, uh, pipe broke, and and we didn't know what else to do, so we had to go. They they predetermined to say we we're understaffed. I mean, is that uh, fair to say? Yeah, that's the only way to say it. Other, uh, what are they going to say? It's it's utter incompetence. It's like saying on Christmas Day we ran out of Santa Claus. What are you talking about? How, <laughs> how is that possible? It's only possible if you intentionally make it so. Next door in Arizona. Get this, in Maricopa County, Phoenix, the most populated county in Arizona, they ran out of ink at the registrar's office right. in Maricopa <laughs> County in multiple precincts. Literally, you can't make this up. How yeah, do I, mean, you I know they announced it, of course. I, uh, when I say riot, I know they announced that they ran out of ink, but, you know, I don't know. And, and not- these are easy fixes. These are easy fixes yeah. when you have a state AG and a state governor 
who want to come in there and do free and fair elections properly as as uh, as Carrie Lake has advertised as campaigned on that she would do. Lombardo's going to do it here and the state AGs like Abe Hamadan company are going to do it. These are easy fixes. So many states do it. It's not like yeah. the Democrats are going after yeah. how we did elections in Missouri or Iowa or Florida or where have you. They're saying, OK, that's the result. Yeah. And we made the changes there or they the state officials made the changes there to make it so. And we need to do that everywhere. Can we talk about the, the what states that are prominent that are because uh, there's other states, like I said, Oregon, they're really not finished yet, but they're not they don't really count because they're just is it, Arizona's not officially over is Pennsylvania's is are they over in, in uh, is Pennsylvania over? Is that done? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think technically the votes are still coming in there, but there's no way for us to make okay. up the spread. And then vote. talk about any other states, but uh, Nevada. So where, what states are we waiting to get to? Do we absolutely have the House? Because I've heard it both ways because of the not counting. Is yeah, the House we have the House. They okay, just so- these same states that have these voting problems are holding back from announcing the winners because they don't want the narrative out there early and often that we got the House, which okay, is it. a monumental win. Yeah. And so we're, we're a little bit behind on terms of the Senate because we do need Adam to win. But I can break down why I think Adam's in a great place here. Adam Laxalt, that is, yeah. here in Nevada. And, of course, we have the Georgia runoff, which is coming up. And I just need to put in perspective across, you know, when you're going coast to yeah. coast. Let's take Oregon and New York. Democratic monsters, right? Oregon right. just barely won its gubernatorial race and it went Democratic. We had a strong Republican candidate out there. In New York, Lee Zeldin shrunk the voting base to less than five percentage points in a, in a Democratic state. He lost by uh, less than five points, which in political landscape shifts is tectonic. And in doing so, he and Elise Stefanik, dear friends of mine from my time in the House of Representatives, added four Republican seats to the U.S. House of Representatives that were all not just maybe Democrats, stronghold Democratic really? seats. We took four seats, including Maloney, who is the head of the Democratic chair process. What does that mean? He owned the money. He was one of the most powerful figures in the Democratic Party, and the state of New York uh, booted him from office. That's because of movements like Lee Zeldin's and Elise, Elise Stefanik's who captured the America First movement. And even though we didn't win that state writ large, these are victories that the mainstream media is Easy. not talking about. So, and this is why I'm telling you we have the House, because we just stole true. these four seats, because um, people are tired of the radical left agenda. And when you do that in places like New York, just think of the rest of the results that are going to come in in places like rural Arizona and uh, other states like Montana just came in for Zinke and things like that. So they're, they're, they're coming in. They just don't want to call. Them. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. And, okay, and uh, how confident are you? I know you just mentioned we're kind of right there. If Adam Laxalt, does it look like? Does it look like we've got the Senate? Does it so, what, like? so I, be, I believe Adam wins. That's fifty. Okay. So, what's left here, and, and not putting into play Arizona because they have like three hundred thousand plus ta- votes left to go. We okay. have much less in Nevada, and the the, the places where Mastos Cortez Masto, the Democratic incumbent senator in Nevada, was supposed to have performed well or outperformed Adam, almost entirely all of those voting precincts are in. What remains are places that are favorable to Adam. And what remains are are election day ballots supposed to break heavily 
for Cortez Masto broke for Adam Laxall. And so with the percentages left out there, we're talking about much smaller percentage in Nevada than Arizona, Cortez Masto would have to run the table 65-35 um, to catch and surpass Adam. And we feel strongly in Nevada that uh, the math is on Adam's side and the people are on Adam's side. So hopefully by tomorrow, we'll be announcing the 50th senator in the United States Senate, Adam Laxall. With the with Nancy Pelosi happily retired retiring, uh, obviously the House is the, has the power of the purse. They release the money. What do you see the House uh, stopping that that they that they're funding right now? What what going forward now? What what is what are they going to stop? Well, look as a, as a guy who ran RussiaGate for Devin Nunes on House Intel, let me just tell you what committees in Congress should be doing. They should stop funding every government agency and department that obfuscates the congressional oversight of Congress, whether it's DOJ, whether it's FBI, whether it's DOD, whether it's anything related to Fauci or the border, the Judiciary Committee, the Intel Committee, the Oversight Committee, the Foreign Affairs Committee. All of these people have a role to play, and especially with a Republican majority, when we have the gavels, that means we run the investigations, not the unselects from January 6th. They've shown us one valuable lesson, the power of Congress when you get our guys behind them. We must take that same power and drive it through Congress to say, you DOJ and FBI have created a two-tier system of justice and lied to the American people, provide the documentation, or you don't get your budget. And your budget is taxpayer dollars. It's not their money, it's ours. And this is what we must demand of every committee in Congress that has a Republican majority, and hopefully it'll be both the House and the Senate, yeah. but at least we yeah. know it will be the House. And what they can do is stop the radical left agenda, but more importantly, they can perform the oversight and accountability that the executive branch under Joe Biden won't do, that DOJ and FBI won't perform. But we did it during Congress, during Russiagate, and we got 17 people fired or retired early because we exposed their corruption and unlawful activities. That is on the table and very doable for committees in Congress. And your audience needs to remind the, the, the folks we sent to D.C. must do this on a daily basis. On, on Fauci. Who is, you know, everyone watching this program already knows he's a crook. I mean, I'm sorry, but I'm not an unbiased interviewer here. But, I, you know, I heard you on another interview and you talked about there would be investigations, including investigations about, and I always thought, I thought, did he say that? Because I didn't know he was willing to say that publicly, where you said you investigate the efficacy of the jab is the way you put it. Talk about that for a minute, because I there's been a long time where people thought, well, you know, President Trump's done everything right, but I don't know if he understood that the jab wasn't such a good thing. And now I hear you're saying that we would like to at least investigate the efficacy of the jab. What do you, what can you talk about? Yeah, top three of congressional oversight investigations, FBI, DOJ, one, Fauci, two, order number three. So when it comes to Fauci, what I'm talking about is what did Fauci put forward to the American people in the Trump administration that he knew to be false okay. about the efficacy of the jab, about the origins of the China virus, and what other lies did he tell us? And as you know, just go back to any feud he's had with Senator Rand Paul uh, oh, yeah. and company, you can oh, see yeah. lie after lie after lie exposed. Mm -hmm. And then more importantly, why was he doing that? And did he make money off of that? We need to investigate this. Now, whether or not you agree with the jab is not the issue. I ran um, Operation Warp Speed at DOD as chief of staff for President Trump. The fact that we had it available was what President Trump was putting out there. Right. The most unlawful thing this Biden administration has done is force our men and women in uniform to choose between their faith and taking this jab. I think that is the most unconstitutional, un-American thing I've ever seen. And they've terminated thousands of our warriors. And the first thing Congress must do 
is when they get back, reinstate every federal law enforcement officer and military service member that was fired because they were forced to choose between faith and the jab and reinstate them with back pay. I've been saying that from coast to coast. And Can you explain that, you know, to what degree do they, I agree with that, of course, but uh, what do they have to do to do it? Do they still have to get Biden's signature? They've got to pass it and then Biden's got to say, okay. No, or do they get? They, they control the purse. Okay, uh, they control the allot what we call the billets, the seats, the number of people allowed to work for this division or that department or that agency and whatnot. And they have a ways of specifically also. And these are we're talking about people who were, I believe, unlawfully terminated. Yes, I do that's too. the case. You don't need the president of the United States to act to retroactively uh, restore their roles. And, um, you know, and just think of it like, are we going to is President Biden actually going to intervene when we say thousands of U.S. military members are going to be reinstated because they chose faith over the jab? Do you, can you imagine the uproar that would happen if he did that? So I think we are on strong footing there That's and really we, but we can't relent. We have to go in hard. Now, one of the most ridiculous things that I've heard in the last few days, if not, I don't know if he said it even today. And I did hear you say that you expect Trump to announce on on the 15th. You expect him to announce to run. But supposedly Biden, who can't string two sentences together most of the time, is going to run. Um, but you're seeing that as a good thing, I think. Talk about that for a moment. Yeah, I think I thought one of the biggest uh, takeaways from the midterms that nobody talked about was Biden basically went out there to the podium in the world and announced that he's going to run again in 2024. I mean, what better candidate? for, you know, for President Trump to square off again, should he announce, than Joe Biden. I mean, the past two years have been a disaster. And we know that America feels that way because we just flipped the House and we're on the verge of flipping the Senate. It's not just me saying it. Yeah. All these seats in an election cycle that was not favorable to Republicans have been going Republican because of the values that we put forth are what Americans care about, whether it's education, military, border security, or what have you. Now, I do think the one place that the campaign candidates could have and should have done better, like in Pennsylvania, is talk about the kitchen table policies that impact oh, their families and how they're yeah. going to improve those on a daily basis. You can't just expect Trump to win it all for you. You got to go in there and do the job and say, how am I going to get Western Pennsylvania 50,000 more jobs? I as the next senator or I as the next congressman or woman. These are, these are candidates and campaigns that I think failed um, uh, to carry the ground level message and connected right. to the national level message. I think that was a key misstep for certain candidates. And I also think we did not handle the abortion issue in terms of messaging the way the Democrats did. Because what, they, they, what, they, what would you, if you could do it over again, how would we have handled the messaging better? What would we have done? We didn't tell everybody enough people out there that Roe versus Wade was not overturned. We didn't message effectively to say that abortion is a state's rights issue. I see and lawfully so. Conservatives fundamentally agree, whether your position on abortion is left or right, conservatives fundamentally agree that that decision must be left to the states. And most of America, after the Supreme Court leak happened, thought that Roe versus Wade was, uh, was overturned and that it was, you know, blame Trump and his candidates for that. It was a complete disinformation campaign that they put out there. And our candidates didn't do enough to counteract that at the ground yeah. level, because at the end of the day, independent women must vote our way if we are going to secure the majorities that we were talking about. And we failed to do that in certain places throughout the country. I mean, I think it's very, very good cash that that, that, that that the team, your team and Trump and everyone are looking at those areas. Of course, they would look at where they fail, but it's, it's good that you're saying publicly we could have done this better. I mean, Oz was not 
you know, I think maybe he went on his celebrity and then uh, I I think we got probably, first of all, I don't really think he, uh, Fetterman got the number of votes they say he did, but uh, it is what it is so far. And mm-hmm. uh, maybe, I don't know if we hit it too hard with, with his, um, you know, handicap, whatever the term would be, he'd had the stroke and all of that, but I'm not, I'm also not certain that we did it wrong either. So let me just jump to one other thing. And then we're going to talk about your book as, because I know our times out here. You had talked about Newt Gingrich, who I always have thought was a good guy. He's supposed to be a good guy. He was speaking on behalf of Trump. And then what did he just come out and do? Yeah, it was, look, I know Speaker Gingrich well, and um, you know, I'm going to have to, I'll, I'll talk to him at some point, but yeah. The headline I saw and the piece of the media I saw was that he said, Newt said that uh, Trump would have to rethink um, his announcement and his plans going forward for 2024. I'm not sure I, I I'm, I'm okay. sure I don't agree with that. Yeah. I'm not sure why Speaker Gingrich said it in that fashion. That's something I expect the Paul Ryans and Liz Cheney's of the world. Uh, maybe he said something beyond that that I'm not capturing at this okay. time. And I'll always give Newt the benefit of the doubt. But yeah. that headline in and of itself. Someone who is Donald Trump's one of his biggest surrogates, his biggest proponents, yeah. former Speaker of the House, who captured, who helped capture the MAGA movement with President Trump. You know, a lot of people are paying attention right now to messaging like that, especially the fake news, and saying, "Oh, look, everyone's turning on Trump," and that's the message we can't have internally. No. This yeah. fake news causing us to internally fight. I don't believe that the America First movement is turning on each other or Donald Trump. I think the media is doing a masterful job portraying it as such and saying that, oh, everybody's internally infighting. If we were internally infighting, we don't win the House of Representatives. If we were internally infighting, we're not on the cusp of 50 and 51 senators. That's not how you win. That's not how our founders set up the government structure and the electoral process. So we're going to have to keep pounding and keep going. But like I said at the top of the show, you know, a lot of these uh, statements that President Trump has made on Truth Social have borne out the true colors of some of these former so-called uh, America first uh, patriots. So, wow. Cash, thank you so much for this update. I appreciate it. Hopefully you'll come back many more times in the future. We want to talk about the books that you've written. I don't know if you just want to talk about the second one or both one, either one. Go ahead. We'll put those. Well, I, I got a special announcement today. Thanks okay. for having me on. Yes. We're actually doing the holiday bundle, the holiday okay. package, the plot against the King hot Christmas bundle. Not only do you get both books, you get a Christmas tree ornament and you get a bright green Christmas mug that says communist awesome. tears on it. And the ornament and the uh, the mug are on the house as part of the package. And we're giving you a 10% discount on both books. You can get Plot Against the King and Plot Against the King 2000 Mules, Russiagate and Election Integrity, two of the most uh, prevalent topics of the day, especially right now in an election cycle. Um, and they're at plotagainstthekeng.com. You get 10% off both books and a free mug and a Christmas ornament. Stock your stocking stuffers. Get the Christmas tree uh, gifts for your kids, your grandkids, and get it for adults too. This, these books uh, Donald Trump has put out on Truth Social that I wrote have gone to number one. Google has banned our ad campaign. That just tells me we know what we're doing yeah. and we're over the target. And who doesn't want to talk about election integrity, plot against the king, 2,000 mules that I did in collaboration with Dinesh D'Souza. We need to teach our kids about a constitutional republic. We need to teach them about Russiagate in a fun way. And we've done that in the Plot Against the King series. So go to plotagainstthekeng.com and get the Christmas bundle today that we're just releasing today um, with a 10% discount, plotagainstthekeng.com. The holidays are here. Let's usher in our Republican majorities with these great books. 
That's good. Well, thank you so much, Cash. I appreciate it. We're going to stay tuned to the 30 minutes because I know your time's short. God bless you. Hey, have a happy Thanksgiving and Merry Christmas if I don't see you before then. So appreciate it. Thanks so much. Happy have Veterans Day. I'll see you thank before you so the much. holiday. See you later then. Okay. Bye bye. This has been Elijah Streams. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can listen to the Elijah Streams podcast at ElijahStreams.com on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Join us live every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific time at ElijahStreams.com on Rumble and Facebook. Elijah Streams is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahStreams.com slash give to become a partner today.